In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be comfortable. Good morning. Um, for those of you who are in the congregation and maybe it's feeling kind of sparse, um, I promise you, uh, you, I don't know if you can see the camera up there, but there are more people here than we can see. Does that make sense? And for those of you who are at home, I want you to know that we are thinking of you. And we realize and recognize that you are with us. We are together. Um, earlier this week, as I was walking our dog, George Cooper, down the street, I noticed this moving truck coming towards us, but moving at a really slow speed. And it kind of, I, I wondered, maybe someone was moving, maybe they were up to something. I, I don't know, it just kind of caught my eye. And, and it was one of those big yellow rider trucks. You know the kind? The kind that has the um, additional storage space on top of the cab that kind of hangs over. So it's a it's really tall truck. And as, I, as it got closer to us, I realized why he was going so slow. You see, he was at a spot where there were trees, oak trees, over the street. And while my car passes under him without any problem, for this truck, because of the height of it, he was in the, oak, the branches of the oak trees. But because he was going slow, he was making his way through the oak trees in a way that didn't damage the truck or the trees. Can you picture that in your mind? Just kind of moving slow, and as he went through, the, that top part of the truck would kind of push the branches, and they would move out of the way, and then when he passed, they would just snap right back. No damage to the truck, no damage to the trees. But it took time. He had to go really slow, but he was willing to do that. I'm not always so patient in my life when I run into things that are in my way or when things aren't going my way. In those instances, instead of taking patience and time like the driver of that truck, I tend to want to, um, uh, A, wish that I could turn right and go down an easy street that didn't have any obstacles whatsoever, or if I'm on my less holy days, I may just want to mash on the gas pedal and just go blazing through or bulldozing over whatever is in the way. Jesus knows something about our tendency to take things into our own hands when things don't go our way, to follow our own way when things get in our way. And he knows how destructive that can be for all people. So he tells this parable. Now, have you heard this parable before? You may have heard it as the wheat and the tares, T-A-R-E-S, a, a weed. Um, now we've got this translation. We call it what they are, wheat and weeds. And so there's a sower who goes out into the field, and he sows good seed, wheat seed. He's expecting to get wheat. And then someone comes in when everyone is kind of asleep at the wheel and sows in some weeds among the wheat. And notice how at first no one notices. But when it gets to the point where the wheat begins to bear grain, that the weeds become obvious because they're not bearing fruit. 
And it's at that point that his servants, his slaves, say, A, what happened? And B, this is what we want to do about it. They say, what happened? Didn't you plant good seed? And he sort of calmly says, yep, an enemy did this. And then they say, you want us to gather them up? Eradicate them? You know, the, that, the root word of eradicate, radica, means root. To de-root them. To get rid of them, root and all, once and for all. That's the way that the servants see the only way to go. And he says, no, don't do that. Because if you pull them out, what's going to happen? Those roots of the weeds are intertwined with the roots of the wheat. And by pulling up, by pulling up the weeds, you're also going to ruin and destroy the wheat, too. Leave that to later. Leave that to God's time and God's angels. So, so when Jesus explains the parable to his disciples, notice how clear he is, right? The sower is the son of man. The seeds of wheat are the children of the kingdom. Right? The field is the world. The one who sows the weeds is the devil. The weeds themselves are the son of the evil one. The harvest is the end of the age. The reapers are angels. But, but who's left out in that to have been identified as uh, to what they represent? The servants and the, the slaves. Jesus doesn't say anything about who they are. And yet they're the ones who get the advice. So who do you think the servants and the slaves are? Who do they represent in this parable? I think they represent us. The members of the household of God who ask, when we see the evil in this world, who's to blame for this? What has happened? And when we don't like it, and we know that it's wrong, we say, we want to go and root it out. Which is the same thing as saying, we want to go and root them out. And that's where we start to see why Jesus tells his parable, I think, about why that's not a good idea. Jesus says, no, let them grow together. Leave that to God and God's timing and God's ways. Now, why would Jesus tell them and us to let, that grow, let them grow together, these weeds and the wheat, the good and the bad, and to wait on God and God's ways? I think there are two reasons. One, um, if, if we're so concerned about wheat, I mean, about weeds, we're going to miss the wheat. If we're so concerned about tending to and giving it to and eradicating the weeds, we're not going to be tending to the fruit-bearing wheat. Does that make sense? We're going to be, uh, there's a saying that if all you have are hammers, all you see are nails. And if we're so obsessed with rooting out the evil people, we're not going to see the good going on too. Even the good in those evil people. It's why Jesus taught us to pray, 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my way, but God's way. And the second thing is because Jesus knows, he knows that this violent eradication ultimately destroys not only the weeds, but the wheat too. Violent eradication destroys not only the bad in the world, but the good people too. If we are so consumed with that sort of violent hatred, we will become violent and hateful people. James Baldwin said it this way. He said, hatred which never failed to destroy so much also never failed to destroy those who hated. And that was an immutable truth. Jesus is saying, don't be filled with that, that need to do it your way and on your timetable. Don't let hatred take root in your heart because it will destroy you too. Leave that work to God. So does that mean that the evils of this world we should just pay no mind to? That we should ignore? That we should, if, if we're going through life in our big rider truck and we see this evil in front of us, we should either pull over to the curb and just park it and wait for God to come? Does it mean we should go the other direction and look for a street where there's no obstacles whatsoever? I think it means we're supposed to proceed like that truck did. Slowly, patiently, absorbing the obstacles, but not bulldozing through them, not uprooting them. Is that hard to do? Can you imagine doing that? I'll give you the... Uh, a, a man who died Friday, a lifetime example of proceeding through life this way. Did y'all, um, y'all familiar with Representative John Lewis who died Friday? John Lewis was um, the third of ten children, a black man, born in rural Alabama. Uh, his dad was a sharecropper. Um, as a kid, I love the story of him as a kid, he was the third of ten now in rural Alabama. Um, he was born, I think, around 1940. Um, as a kid, his job was to tend the chickens. And he said he looked at those chickens as if they were his congregation. He would baptize them. He would preach to them. He would do funerals for them. He was concerned about the souls of those chickens, he said. And his family started calling him preacher. And he, they thought, was going to be a preacher. In fact, he wrote to a preacher who he had heard on the radio. And that preacher sent him a bus ticket and changed his life. That preacher was Martin Luther King Jr. So John Lewis went to seminary in Nashville. In Nashville, he began the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. He was a founder and a leader of that, that exposed racial inequities and then absorbed the reactivity that came with it. And I mean absorbed it in a very physical sense. Committed himself to nonviolence. Active nonviolence, though. He said the key to a nonviolent lifestyle, to acting and operating out of this type of nonviolence, is that, first of all, you have to be forgiving. 
Even when people are cursing you to your face, spitting on you, and putting out a light cigarette in your neck. And you also, at the same time, in addition to being forgiving, you have to recognize that those same people are victims too. Those same people are children of God. That's what he did. That's how he lived his entire life. Making his way slowly down life's highways, listening for God's direction, following God's way of sacrificial loving and living. It wasn't fast, and it wasn't easy, and it wasn't without obstacles, and it wasn't being parked and waiting. But it also wasn't eradicating those who he saw to be evil. No wonder he wasn't destroyed by hatred himself. He made his way down life's highway kind of like that rider truck. Slowly, deliberately, sacrificially, taking the blows and yet continuing on. And in doing so, he didn't break the obstacles in his way or the evil that he saw, he transformed it. The mayor uh, of Selma, Alabama in 1965 was Joseph Smitherman. 1965 is when John Lewis was at the front of about 600 marchers, along with others, crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge. You remember that? Uh, uh, gathering of law enforcement officers told them to disband and they calmly said no and they were set upon John Lewis was set upon along with them all Billy clubs and you know the rest his skull was fractured that was 1965 33 years later guess what Joseph Smitherman was still mayor of Selma Alabama but his life had completely changed. His relationship with people of color in his community had completely changed. In 1998, he gave the key to the city to Representative John Lewis. And in the speech where he presented him with the key to the city, he said in 1965, I called him an outside rabble-rouser. Now I call him the bravest man I've ever met. We know the way through this world where evil exists. We know in our better moments that it is not our way or our timetable, it is God's. We know that it is the way of sacrificial love. Jesus' life is the way and the truth and the life. We know because we've seen it in his and other brave, faithful people's lives that it is not a weakness to wait and leave the eradication to God. It's a powerful thing, this way of sacrificial love, this way of making our way slowly, patiently, deliberately, sacrificially, lovingly 
nonviolently. It's the way that changes the world. It's the way that changes weeds into wheat. It's the way that we find life abundant.